Hello and welcome to the Education Community Podcast, an exciting new platform brought to you by Bernardo's, the National Children's Charity. My name is Chris Paul and I will be your podcast host. Our aim is to produce episodes that will be supporting mental health and well-being across a variety of education services within the United Kingdom. We plan to interview a range of professionals in order for us to have a wider understanding of staff well-being, trauma, loss and bereavement as we continue to try and navigate through the difficult times faced across the country. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Bernardo's Education Community Podcast. We are recording our podcast today in the the week of remembrance really of a year of lockdown since the coronavirus pandemic really started to take grip of our country and the globe and I suppose this week has been a pretty powerful week and the, the recording is happening on the Thursday of the week so we've already had our, our minute silence earlier on in the week and it was a, a very poignant moment to reflect back and think about the, the year that we have had and we've had obviously key messages from the leaders of the country um, and those in power just discussing the, the real struggle that has been for for all of us and I think if you know we, we reflect back on this year and hopefully years to come there's, there's hopefully not going to be anything like this again. It really has thrown up lots of issues for us that we probably never thought we would face and are well aware that this has been a, a, a tough year for everybody but an extremely tough year for our children and young people you know who have really lost out on on you know massive parts of the development stages um lost out on you know being with friends um spending time do being being a child really um being a young person and exploring the world you know as as they usually would uh, so there's been a lot of of loss for children and young people in that sense but also as a, a nation, you know, the, the amount of loss that, that we've had through coronavirus and the amount of death through coronavirus has, has been a real eye-opening experience. From my own perspective, um, from a point of view where I've not had or lost anybody directly through coronavirus from a personal perspective, so I can't even imagine how that feels for those of you who are maybe listening to this podcast who have had that experience and you've lost somebody through COVID or you've even lost somebody, you know, through natural causes or, or other ways during this period of time. Because as we know, and we have touched on this in, in our podcasts and we'll continue to touch on this uh, uh, issue in our podcast, the grieving process and, you know, trying to understand death and, you know, going to funerals and all, all the things that we would attribute when we do lose somebody has been really impacted because of the, the, the stuff that's in place to keep us safe, I suppose, with physical distance, social distance and the amount of people that are allowed to be together at any one time. So it has been a challenge and I think it's 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 really worth sort of taking a moment to to recognise your own journey and that and, and how well you have done during this to keep things together you know I would, I would imagine as an educational professional you you have been uh, working tirelessly um, in your own professional capacity whilst really trying to manage your own personal life which is I would imagine has had its ups and downs like everybody else during this period of time 
So yeah, I just wanted to, to share a moment with yourself uh, as you're listening to this and just reflect back on the amount of sacrifice that we've all had to put up with this year to for the greater good, I suppose. And a, a, a huge thanks for, from from myself and my own perspective to everybody that has worked you know, tirelessly during this time, you know, NHS staff, frontline staff, Bernardo's colleagues across the United Kingdom, those delivering real essential services, people delivering food parcels to those who need it, volunteers across the country giving up their time, record amount of volunteers at one point wanting to really support people where it was required. And one of the, the positives I believe to have came out of the the pandemic if if you can try and find a positive has been that collective community spirit i think across the united kingdom and across the pockets of uh, communities in the country and i think that has been a real positive at times through some dark moments um, but yeah final obviously thought to to those who have lost someone and those who are no longer with us during this um, terrible period of, of time for our country and for the, the world. So, thoughts are with them. On our podcast today, we will be featuring an interview, uh, an, an in-depth interview with Amanda Siderhelm. Now, Amanda is a partner of Bernardo's and we are very happy to have her on the podcast today. Uh, Amanda will describe exactly what she does, which is quite a lot um, in, in her specialties, but we will be touching on subject areas such as grief, loss and bereavement today, which is very fitting given the, the week that we are currently recording this in. And we thank Amanda for coming along and we will post uh, further ways that you can get in touch with Amanda if anything in this podcast is of relevance to you. And our disclaimer, I suppose, at the start is if anything in this podcast does have an impact on you, please reach out to friends or family if you want to have a chat if anything really impacts you. But again, reach out to sort of specialist services if you have been impacted by any of the the topics that we discuss on today's podcast. Thank you for your continued support and we'll now put over to Amanda. So I'm delighted to be joined by Amanda Sederhelm and as I spoke about at the the start of the podcast, a very special guest for us on our podcast journey. Um, I'll bring yourself in now, Amanda, please. Uh, how, How are things with yourself? Yes, things are great. Uh, Chris, thank you for inviting me on. It's great great to be here. Uh, very busy and adapting to the online world of, of taking the, the, the message of supporting bereaved children, bereaved um, families in schools, you know, on, online, getting that message out. Yeah, no, thank you for coming on. I know you're very busy um, and your work is, is spreading like wildfire at the minute. There was a um, webinar that, that I took part in um, recently that you were um, engaged with and you were the main person on that. And myself and you just had a conversation, but can you tell us how many people was on that webinar, please? Yes, uh, there were 3,000 people uh, registered to attend that, that webinar, um, which was really looking at leading a whole school approach to loss and bereavement in a sensitive and supportive way. Uh, what we can do to really address the, the issues um, that affect everybody. So I think on that webinar, 
there, there was a real range of, of, of people on it um, from school uh, professionals, uh, therapists, parents, school counsellors, you know, it, the issue touches so many people. Um, so it was it was great to have such um, a, you know a wide range of people, and that num- that number of people just shows how key this issue is. Definitely, and and it's it's such a huge issue, and it's great to to find out that there's so many people investing their own time and to to coming on to events like that and hearing your story. So what I'll do is I'll take it back a step, and and we'll start from in a professional sense, um, just explaining exactly um, what got you to this stage in terms of bereavement um, and and the steps I suppose that's made you in in this position where you're supporting so many people. Sure. So I'm a I'm a certified play therapist, and I've been supporting children and families for the last twelve years uh, through the, the play and the creative arts. Um, because what we know is that children, particularly young children, primary school children, that is, um, find talking about their feelings and about trauma quite confrontational. Whereas play is a child's natural language. So the more we can use play and the creative arts, the more comfortable, the safer children feel, the more likely they are to open up and tell us their stories. So for me, I guess the journey began 15 years ago. I left a corporate job, I left corporate publishing, believe it or not, um, to to, to retrain as as a therapist. My passion has always been about telling stories, helping people find their voice, and I, I noticed I did some volunteering work before I became a therapist in, in primary schools. And I saw how powerful the arts were in terms of helping children open up. And I, I just knew that that was, that was something I, I really wanted to do. So it's, it's, it's a real passion as well as a, a profession. So I get to do both, which is, which is very exciting. And yeah. I'm, so I'm also a, uh, I'm cruise trained to work with bereaved children and, and young people up to the age of 18. Um, and I'm also Bernardo's um, partner agency, which is very uh, exciting. I'm very proud to be a Bernardo's partner agency. Brilliant. No, it's, it's great. And thank you for sharing that. I think it just gives a bit of context into why you are in a position where you're doing, you know, such big webinars and uh, obviously coming on here and, and speaking. And I think it's just touching on your your point in terms of doing something you love and in terms of turning that into your passion and turning it into a, a job is is it is a great feeling i'm in the same position myself and i think it really brings the the best out in you would you agree i would abs- absolutely agree i think that when you're doing something that you feel passionate about i think it gives an extra energy it brings a lot of energy to the work i like to think that my work is informed by that by that energy um, and I see, you know, I see the impact on children and families when they find their own voices and when they tell their stories. And I think when that happens, um, it's, it's possible for healing and transformation to take place. And I always say, you know, in, in loss and change, any kind of loss creates, forces some kind of change. And it's the way we engage with that change that helps us to move forwards and to, to develop resilience. So um, yes, I, th- I think it's a conversation. I think it's important to engage at all sorts of levels. Um, and when, when that happens, children and families 
really um, develop that resilience in a, in a greater effect. Yeah, definitely. No, it's, it's great to hear. And I suppose one of our, our main links in the Bernardo's education community and touching on your, your final point there in the previous part, uh, we're obviously very delighted to have you as a, a partner and we see so much uh, availability that we can support other people with that. And I think that the wider resource that we are working within, I suppose, at the minute is education um, and education uh, services across the United Kingdom. What would be your message at the minute if, if a, a staff member from, from education um, is listening to this just now and thinking, you know, the schools are, they've never closed, but the schools are going to become a lot busier just now. We're probably going to start hearing um, probably stories about loss and, and, and bereavement. I'm starting to get anxious about this. What do I do? What would be your um, advice to those people who are having those thoughts at the minute? And we know they're having those thoughts because we've spoken with them. Mm. It's a great question. And I think there are two things to do. Um, the, the first thing is the most important one, which is to make space, particularly at this time as the schools physically return. As you say, they've never closed, they've, they've remained open. But as they physically return, I think there's going to be pressure to do a catch up. And what I'd like to see and what I think schools need to really incorporate is a safe, still space in the school for the emotional catch-up to take place alongside and be integrated with the, the academic, the, the, the learning, the educational element of being at school. I think we've reached a turning point um, where we need to have that those two pieces joined up. So creating a safe, still space in the school in the, in the classroom where you can do the second thing, which is to give, um, to give pupils the, the tools to start talking about their loss. Everybody is going to have a lockdown story. Everyone's going to have a pandemic story to tell. And I think we risk compromising emotional and mental health if we don't give pupils that space in which to express it, talk about it, process it, First of all, within maybe small groups within their classroom. And then, you know, as a school, and one of the things I talked about on the webinar was finding the story that your school has. It's, it's, it's about individuals, but it's also about finding that collective story that you want to tell. So creating a still safe space, giving children the tools in which to express themselves and recognizing that not all pupils will want to talk. Um, not everybody wants to be verbal about how they feel. You know, we have to be flexible about using a toolkit that incorporates um, non-talking uh, things. So, you know, for instance, drawing, um, creative writing, painting, music. Um, the toolkit I use has all these things in it um, it's all you need. It's like a little carrier bag that you, you take around with you and you just take things out as and when the moment presents itself. But I think for all school staff members, it's about being aware. So you could add into that the third thing, which is awareness. The awareness that loss and the need to talk about that is going to, um, I would say, you know, it pops up at different points. It won't be, okay, we've got everyone together now, let's talk about loss. Not everybody will want to do it at the same time, but if everyone's aware of the need 
to do it and they're prepared with a toolkit, then they can be really flexible and nimble on their feet and go, okay, well, we've got, um, you know, we've got 15 minutes today or we've got 15 minutes in this particular class. I can take half a dozen uh, pupils over here and we can do a shared text exercise or we could read a story or we can do a little drawing exercise. Finding those pockets and those moments in the day is going to relieve the pressure on children mentally and emotionally and it's going to make them more accessible it's going to make their brains calmer they're going to feel calmer and they're, they're going to be able to learn more easily yeah i agreed with, with absolutely everything that, that you've said and you know for the, the young people and the, and the children that have been you know away or maybe doing virtual learning they, they might not be when they walk through those doors you know in terms of being in a position to, to learn and prioritizing that mental health and well-being and emotional needs is, is going to be key and I would imagine if a education staff member is, is listening to that podcast they're probably halfway on that journey anyway but the fact that they're they're tuning in and, and they're listening and one of the things that I was I was thinking about when you were speaking was that one of the the feedback you know points that we've been getting regularly from teachers is on their own staff well-being is on the well-being of of themselves and their, their colleagues who we've got to remember that they are obviously human beings as well and have experienced grief loss and bereavement potentially throughout this period as well for those who who are maybe struggling with their own well-being and the thought of things changing which we know can can obviously have a, a detrimental impact for some people what would be your advice to to those people at the, at the present moment because i know that you're you, you've done amazing work in in regards to emotional backpacks and, and unpicking those yeah, so in, in my book, um, this isn't a book plug, but in my book, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, are, there is an exercise, as you say, called Unpacking Your Emotional Backpack, which looks at um, the anxieties, the worries that, you, that we all carry around with us. And there are steps, there's a five-step process to go through to actually take these out in a, in a safe way and look at them and decide, you know, I have choices here to make about do I want to keep carrying this or do I want to put this down? Do I want to share this load with someone? And I think if you can to do that exercise with a partner, with a colleague, a friend, so that you're not so alone and everybody's being very isolated. Um, so I think to find someone that you can do that exercise with would, would be the first thing. The second thing I always recommend and this is something that's easy to start doing and, and to practice on a on a, a, a daily basis is an exercise I call the drawing check-in. I don't you may or may not be familiar with it, but it's it's a very simple exercise to do. Um, you can, it just takes 15 minutes every day. You just draw um, a representation of how you feel and then you add the words. But I'm, I'm hugely simplifying that. But the the point about it is that when we feel anxious, we want something, particularly in a busy environment like school, where there's going to be a lot of pressure um, to restore, re come back again, um, to be able to do something in the morning. It's almost like having a, a practice that sets you up for the day. You know, we've all got different strategies, haven't we? You know, it might be having a coffee, it might be having a cup of tea, but this is something to add in and to do so that you your mind is clearer and you're not carrying so much anxiety I'm a big fan of unpacking and we were talking about this before we started the call about you know 
taking things out of your emotional backpack that you don't need to carry around. And I think what tends to happen is I notice when people do this exercise, their physical body, they just go, oh, yeah, I just had no idea I was carrying all that around with me. So when you name it and you, you start to say what, the, what those things are, um, they become almost not less important, but they, the register at which they, they start to feel emotionally comes down from say a 10 to maybe a seven, and then it starts to get lower and lower the more you, the more you unpack it. Um, so having, having a tool, a couple of tools like that is I think gonna help um, everyone at school, to, uh, the adults as well, because as you say, they have a lot to process. Yeah, no, it's great advice, and uh, we we were speaking before we we press record, um, in regards to your own podcast and and the episode that is on there in terms of unpicking that emotional backpack, and I think that that is something that I will put on to this podcast, throw a link on to 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 our one so that people can find that. And as I said to you uh, prior to this, I, I am a fan of your podcast. Can you share some of the episodes that's on there, particularly in relation to the, the subject matter of, of bereavement, please? Yes. So the, the podcast, my podcast looks at the, um, I suppose the intersection between your your personal experience and how that affects you in a professional a professional capacity. So I've, I look at strategies that you can you can do to reduce the uh, the emotional temperature that can be very high during um, loss loss and bereavement. So I've looked at um, how to use therapeutic story in the classroom, um, how to use drama therapy. Um, I actually interviewed Maisie, Maisie Davis from Bernardo's about her work in the, in the, the research um, here, here Act and Respond Hub. I'm sure I've said that incorrectly there, the name. But See, here Respond. See, here Respond. Thank you. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in creative ways that we can help the emotional burden of, of bereavement to, to, feel, to feel lighter. Um, so I'm particularly interested in expanding what we know as a bereavement policy at school. And there is an episode on the podcast specifically on what a bereavement policy looks like that works. Um, so that's worth definitely worth listening to. My view on bereavement policies is I think they need to be expanded beyond what they currently look like which is about the mechanics so someone's died we need to inform everybody we need to have an assembly it's what i would call the mechanics we need to have within that policy a therapeutic framework that also addresses the needs of the children and the the young people in schools so it's not enough i'm saying to just have those um those pieces in place. We need them because that's the scaff part of the scaffolding that we have, but we also need to have the, a stronger framework, a child-centered framework, so that contains a toolkit like I was referring to earlier. So teachers have got those, those tools in the classroom so that what it does is it reduces the pressure to refer bereaved children out to bereavement services because we know they don't have capacity to really see bereaved children. Um, what I'd like to see is for the schools to be sustaining, being able to sustain that support within the school. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And I think you make some excellent points that for, for anyone that's listening, um, they, they, they'll certainly have some food for thought in terms of moving forward. And I think we, what we've done, I think, as a nation, but we're actually approaching the sort of one year anniversary, um, or by the time this podcast uh, goes out, it may have passed for being in the, the lockdown measures and, and, and COVID-19 obviously having the devastating impact that, it, that it's had. In regards to bereavement, what would you say has been the, the, the main sort of changes or influences in regards to how COVID-19 has impacted that for people? I think one of the biggest impacts has been to highlight the sense of isolation that a lot of vulnerable people, children and adults felt before COVID. I think the the grief and the collective sense of loss of community, loss of connection to each other, the loss of physical connection. I think it's made everyone more aware that actually there were a lot of people who felt like that before. So a lot of people we we would call vulnerable people, um, but who maybe felt more invisible. You know, I think what COVID has done has shone a light on those areas of inequality, of vulnerability, um, you know, racial inequality, so that now we, we can see more clearly, actually, we all share this sense of isolation and what it feels like to, to feel um, maybe disconnected from a community, disconnected from a family. Maybe you don't have your family nearby. Well, you know, guess what? That's what it can feel like when you don't have a family. And I think that that has reminded people that there is this collective sense of grief as well as individual grief. You know, I talk about, talked about this on the webinar, but when I was preparing that, I was very, very impacted by the sense of how overwhelming COVID has been for, you know, that there's such a lot of loss, but there have been also what I call big little losses as well, not just someone dying. It's been the loss of, of community, the loss of friendship. We've had to all be, you know, loss of routine. Um, we've had to all be, I would say more creative, but find ways in which to compensate for that. Um, you know, at the very sort of, at the lightest level, that's been, well, shall I have another tub of haagen tonight? You know, shall I watch Netflix? Or shall I just actually phone, phone a friend? Um, shall I go for a walk? These, so the sense of it being, it's a massive treat to be able to do that now, whereas before maybe it wasn't. Um, so we've lost so much, but I think we've also maybe, I hope, gained some perspective as well on, as I say, those areas of life that were that were maybe hidden and that aren't hidden anymore. And that's, you know, that's one of the um, silver linings, perhaps. Yeah. What do you think? How, how do you see it? I, I see it as the same. I, I think that there's certainly areas where, in terms of isolation, I think people who experienced isolation prior to, to COVID, there was probably large members of society that maybe never experienced that. So I think for a lot of people, they experienced loneliness and isolation for maybe the first time. So they could maybe start to relate to how lonely some people are in society, particularly vulnerable members of society. Um, I think there's, there's certainly been positives to come out of 
not COVID, obviously, because of the, the, the deaths and everything else, but the, the sort of strong sense of community at a local level um, in some areas, and in, in my own area, for, for example, um, people sort of volunteering and, and, and giving back to the community, I think. Um, I think there was a real strong sense of that probably the first time around, and I think people sort of started to get um, a level of fatigue around that, probably. Um, but yeah, I think moving forward, how do we how do we learn from that? And I suppose we learn from that by having more compassion for those who are in isolation and, and loneliness. And I hope that the, that will um, be there as we move forward because it is such a, a, a terrible feeling when, when you don't have anyone that you feel you can speak to and you feel... And a, a, a way a young person actually explained it to myself um, last week was you could be surrounded by people but still feel lonely. And I think that that is, is a powerful image, you know, in terms of going back into the school just because they're going to be surrounded by maybe their peers again. They, they, they might still have those thoughts. So, yeah, I think shining that light onto the loneliness and isolation would be good moving forward. Mm-hmm. And... In a, in a school sense, obviously, in, in Scotland, um, we were, we're having the phased returns, um, and, and obviously in England, there, there's a set date moving forward. For, um, you know, just in, in terms of final thoughts for yourself, then, if there's any um, education staff listening uh, to this, hopefully uh, they, they will be in their, they're maybe already in, or when they've accessed the podcast, what would be your, your final thoughts to them? Buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. It's all in the book. But no, seriously, I I think the, as you said, I think they will be quite advanced along the way of thinking about how to be more aware, um, how to to set things up. I mean, I've I've got some ideas about how to implement, you know, a a story making culture um, within a school so that I mean, if ever there was the moment to do it, this is the moment because yeah. we've, we've had this intense period of isolation and hopefully we're now coming out of that and we're going to be able to re-engage with school and with, with life again. Fingers think, crossed. Fingers crossed, exactly. I think what's then going to happen is we will then need to have that space to process what's, what is the experiences that we've all gone through. Um, so I'm really keen that schools are set up to to provide that um, that community that space. Yeah. yeah, I think it's so important to have the a, a physical space for young people and for them to know that there are safe spaces that they can open up and have these conversations and that it's not all about catching up with your work and making sure that you're you know you're you're making sure you're going to be passing your exams whenever you get them, and there is obviously a I get that there's a, a need for that, but for me, the, the overarching thing just now is making sure that they're okay um, and making sure that they, they are physically, mentally um, okay, and then they will learn. They're not going to be in a position to to learn if their well-being is on the floor and their confidence is on the floor and they're, they're just not. So, yeah, um, I totally agree with everything you've said. Um, I haven't read your book. So I'm going to now read your book, definitely, um, and and then obviously make a um, an informed decision on on everything. <laughs> but as I said to you at the very start, I'm, uh, your your resources and and everything that, that 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 you've produced so far is very helpful in terms of our journey. So great that you're a, a Bernardo's partner, and and we'll continue mm-hmm. to hopefully you know do things together to support the education community. Yes, absolutely. I I really am looking forward to that. Yes. 
thank you and and thank thanks for your time like thanks for coming on i know you're very busy um you know three thousand people at a webinar um that is uh, somebody that's in demand so i know you're very busy and i appreciate you you taking your time out and hopefully you're looking after yourself during all of this so i hope you're you're doing that as well oh thank you um chris i am and i'm, I'm i would say i've filled more drawing pads during during the pandemic than at any other time it has literally for me been a lifesaver and you know the odd occasional ton of ice cream but, but mainly joy definitely <laughs> mainly yeah, yeah definitely yeah I, I can relate to the, the ice cream in the netflix um it's got me through some dark days during this lockdown but no yeah. thank you thank you for your time and hopefully anybody listening to the podcast what, what we'll say to, to sort of wrap it up is that we will put all of amanda's links and in, in terms of our, our uh, book and her podcast on our uh, descriptor here um, and we'll also put it in our community of practice as well so hopefully you guys can can link in and and, and look at amanda's stuff because it is very important um that and, and I think as well, at the, at the time and the juncture we're at, it's very important that we keep these things in the spotlight and we, we keep it focused for our children and young people and also for the well-being of our teaching staff. So thank you again for coming on and appreciate your time. Oh, thank you very much for asking me. It's a great pleasure and it's lovely to meet you. And, uh, and I really look forward to, to working more closely with Bernardo's. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Education Community Podcast brought to you by Bernardo's. We hope to see you again soon.